0: Hey everyone, this is David. Welcome back, Behind the Velvet Rope. And we are here today with a very special guest, all the way all the way from across the US, uh, quarantining, just like the rest of us, the one and only Jay Rodriguez from the original <laughs> Queer Eye from the, for the Straight Guy. How are you?
1: I'm doing okay, I'm holding up. How you doing?
0: I'm doing okay. I mean, you guys were <laughs> kind of quarantined before we were.
1: Yes. Um, yeah, it was, uh, well, we're still under what I call LA quarantine. Um, I have a dog and so I have to walk the dog like, you know, three times a day and seeing people out and about last weekend was really tricky because not every business had shut down. Um, and so you just saw people congregating or doing things like RuPaul drag race, viewing parties upwards of like 10 to 15 people or keeping birthday party commitments so it's just a little scary for us. I think we're not exactly sure the extent of how long we'll stay in quarantine because of all that. But uh, you know, we're all moving forward, or at least trying to, and find some silver lining in all of this.
0: We are kind of in the same situation. I think, like as the days go on, people are you know paying attention more. But it's the same thing, like. We're quarantined, but you could still go out for a walk in New York City and go to the grocery store. So yesterday there was this big thing about like going out for a walk doesn't mean like staying out for seven hours. So it's kind of the same thing.
1: And, you know, what's crazy is where as we talk right now, you know, uh, Congress is meeting and they still haven't come up with any kind of resolution or plan. And and the issue really is, is that our economy is so hurting. And we know this from Broadway performers or gig performers or waiters or anyone else who relies on being around a lot of people to make their income is that you know, it is devastating to the average American's pocketbook. And so it's really tricky as you try to navigate your emotions, keep those in check, but also be wise to understand some of your bills might be late. And it's really tricky because there seems to be no end date. And so I think that's really raising the anxiety for a lot of uh, performers who happen to be out of work or gig workers, I should say, you know, who can't work from home.
0: Totally, which, you know, there's a lot in LA and New York so yeah, I mean, like I think yeah, I, I've had some. I've decided today that I need to like stay in the moment or in the day or in the week. I had a few, you know, you have your moments where your mind wanders, and like when I think yeah. big, when I think big picture, that's when I'm like, I gotta dial it back because I start to go into a place. Right,
1: and we don't know. I think this is what the converse, The uh, what the conversation was on CNN prior to us chat. Quite simply, do we move forward within the con? allowing those that are least at risk to enter the workforce again so we don't lose our paychecks. And then, you know, the the possibility of that, you know, uh, encountering more infection rates and seeing more death. And so I think it's just the back and forth. And that's where I think everyone is in this limbo state of not knowing the future and not knowing where to place their next foot as they try to move forward emotionally or actually physically with their lives.
0: Totally. And I've been, so what have you been doing to stay busy? And then we're going to get into you. And I have a lot of
1: questions for you. Okay. I've been watching yes, some of sir. your Instagram videos. <laughs> I go from like post apocalyptic depression to like, hey guys, welcome a dog. Here's a thirst trap picture to keep you engaged. Yeah. It's
0: I, the I, I, I saw your shirtless picture the other day where you said you're getting <laughs> thick already. I don't think you're thick yet. I don't think you're there. I think you're no. quite a while.
1: Um, I know, I actually hope to leave somewhat, like I'm hoping for like a cub body, you know, some kind of baby bear, something still adorable, find my place in Silver Lake or like, you know, Williamsburg, I will figure it out. Um, It's
0: not bad. I mean, I feel, my feeling is like, it's not just going to end, like we're going to be given an end date, so my thoughts are just eat whatever the hell I want, and then when there's like an end date of like, this is the date, I'll take the last like three weeks to pull it all together again.
1: Honestly, from yes. your units can you document that? I think I yes. will join you. If you will create a hashtag and we'll figure it out something fun, it's funny, but not body shaming. Um, but speaking of how I've been entertaining myself, yeah, I've not been engaging in that at home fitness. Like, I put down like this like pull up bar and I had it in my door. So every time I passed my doorway, I would have to do like you know tw- 25 pull ups. Well, uh, you know, what just happens, <laughs> I just avoided my bedroom all day. That's what happened there um But no, honestly, it. I've been having a couple really zen nights, um which is odd for me. I just like make myself a stiff cocktail. I sit at my desk here. And uh, my friend Ryan had given me for my birthday this extensive coloring, like adult coloring book. And this one says, Let me Can I curse picture. on? Oh, yeah, can yeah. Can I curse on? Okay, you can curse. Says, sit the fuck down and color. Adult swear word coloring book for stress relief. So I it love is. this. I have to take a picture of this. I love that. That's amazing. Can I show you my masterpiece? And also did not know, listen, if shit hits the fan, I've got a career in coloring. Send me your kids' projects. I'll color them for them. This is some fine-ass shit. I don't know if you can catch the details on this coloring work, but...
0: That is so impressive. Wait, let me take a picture of this, too. That is so impressive. Because let me tell you something. Remember when, like, adult coloring books were all of the rage... Way back then,
1: Well, I I have
0: them, and I never did them. You do! I have, like, like five of them here, and I, oh, wow. It was a
1: gift. It was a a birthday gift, but tell the listener. I'm sorry.
0: I was going to say, you are showing me every single color pencil possible. That is, like, very professional.
1: And, you know, um, you know what else? We're not going to get a lot of access to up close and personal. Why? Sex. Sex. We're not, there's no sexy time. Uh, I
0: discovered that, yeah.
1: So do you know how I have to like deal with the situation in the morning? Tell me. My, my friend More. Trevor Wayne is, close. My friend Trevor Wayne is in this incredible pop artist and he actually kind of rose to fame for his Golden Girls cartoon sketches where he makes them look like superheroes, older superheroes.
0: Oh, I and
1: like- um, yeah, and so he has this mug collection of, of all these different artwork. And last time I was in Palm Springs he gave me this and it's a mug with all different naked oh men gosh. cartoon men and they're all this. nude of all different body types and shapes and hairy and non and and that's where i have my morning coffee to remember the penis will come out tomorrow
0: seriously just to remember that one day we will all have sex again
1: well yeah and that's the that's the crazy thing like i was talking to i'm actually i'm Dr. Chris Donahue, who hosts Loveline on the former radio station I was gonna be on. I've been a frequent guest, but we were talking about how this um, uh, plays into, I don't know how you've been sleeping, but I just found I've been dreaming more vividly. I've been um, having a hard time falling asleep, but like sleeping in for a lot longer and I feel like it's only been a week in change that we've had to really be by ourselves with our thoughts, everything removed from us other than social media and our at-home entertainment. and. It's just a week and a half. And already you can see people start begin to unraveling. And part of it, I think, is just the idea of like we move in such a fast pace. And especially if you're a performer or a gig employee, you're on to the next to worry about how I'm gonna get the next and just juggling so many things. And when that's taken away, all of a sudden I feel like we're getting to this primal state of like actually who we are. For a lot of people, that might be the first time you've had an opportunity to take a real deep breath and just sit for a second. You know, and I think that's that's kind of a silver lining, I guess, in some ways. Because I think I, we're going to no, emerge differently. I,
0: I totally, totally agree with you. I've been saying the same thing. Like, listen, if there's no soul in there, this is when you're going to discover that. Like, people, you know what I mean? Like, you, this is when you're just going to find what is important to you. You know?
1: I know I mean, this is your, yeah. No, no,
0: no. Go on, this is
1: great. I was wondering, to, so during this time for yourself, have you, and, and this is your interview, don't mean to hijack it, but have, what, what have you, cause you're like a person I'm talking to, or the person, yeah. um, what is, what have you kind of, have you had moments where you're like, like for instance, for me, it was, I didn't realize, cause this, we just came uh, past pilot season here, so concerned on having a six pack and having like to be presentable because it's like kind of like a horse and pony show and every new room you're in, every casting director, you know, you're seeing them with like your optimal self. And I realized that in some ways I was really depriving myself of the things I wanted to eat for this notion that that would somehow put me in a better uh, place to be castable. Um, So that was really interesting, just being at home and be able to cook and eat the things that I actually wanted to eat. And the second thing was, how many things I had put off in my home. I had a, oh, uh, a thing of curtains and a curtain rod and all these things that have been sitting here for six months. I put up that curtain, it's over here, wait, hold on. Where'd you go? Oh, there you are. That's I nice. I put up the curtain. Yeah, I put up the curtain, I put a backlighting, I like wallpaper to wall, like I've been opening drawers, you know, your junk drawer. Oh, I made light. this a good time to Marie Kondo ourselves.
0: Listen, I have done the. Ex- I literally am getting to things that have been on my list since two thousand and eighteen. I'm not even kidding. What are I had they? Like, well, I had like this one area in my apartment that was like wasted space. It was like my office, but it was like a desk, and it was like I have like you know, it's New York. Like you can never have too much storage.
1: So yeah, for but like- let me tell you something. You have a cute apartment.
0: I'm Isn't like looking there. in there. Can you see? It's so is it, cute. Is that, that look,
1: art or is that the wall?
0: That pink is art. That pink and orange.
1: I'm obsessed. So Isn't I bought you're nice? like inspiring me. And like, there's me. this you're inspiring me. Ooh,
0: I see, mean, this is the, me so much. This is like, and then there's like a shark up there. Oh my god, look,
1: you're, we're similar. I have like so, a stuffed on,
0: shark wait. back there. So you have to put. Look a, at my I want floor. Do so, you like that
1: floor? Oh I love that. I love that. That's a good trick. Um, this Sounds is my, like a minimalist. That's good. Where did where did where did I go? I lost photo. You can hear me, right? Oh, you can't see me. Oh, uh, there I go. I can um, see you. Yeah, I can see you. So this is my desk, but like I have, um, I have literally just been cleaning and moving things around so much, which is good, I think. I mean, I'm. I, I think they say that your home is a reflection of where your life is at.
0: So now I'm trying to
1: instill order where I can't have it outside.
0: That's kind of how I am. And so like, you know, I did the big things like the furniture and stuff, but I'm the same way. Like I, yes, got down to cleaning my junk drawer. Like my junk drawer is now organized. It's crazy. So it's like, I think in a way there are things that I had to do and just other things like going through like old like bank statements and just, you know, like stupid things that I never would have got
1: to. But I am so I found a bill from 2018. Yeah, I found a bill from 2018. (laughs) I was like, oh, I'm pretty sure I paid that.
0: That's like what I mean. And I'm just like, I have never been this organized. So like in a way, like on an existential level, like you start to wonder like, is this someone's like sick joke of like, all of you people have been running around with your Instagram and listen, I'm the biggest offender of all, you know? And this was just like, let me equalize the world. I don't know. I have moments where I think
1: that. Well, what part of you also feels, and if this has crushed your mind at all, that, um, for instance, for us here in L.A., walking the dog is eerie because it is, today it's a beautiful, gorgeous, crisp, it rained all day, like poured rain. Today it is beautiful, Not, it's like beautiful blue skies, but you can hear a pin drop, like you don't hear cars, you know, you don't see a whole lot of people, and part of me is like, is this like nature, like having a, a reset mu- a button, the air feels crisper and cleaner? I, I don't know, you know? It's weird.
0: I mean, that's the weirdest thing about here is like there's no sirens during the night, yeah. you know? Wow. Yeah. It's weird. So, I mean, who knows? Like, hopefully we will be out of quarantine at some point semi I think
1: it's gonna what do, you, what do you predict that how we will um get back to society because I was thinking you know we all have these digital devices you know some studios should be smart and just go ahead and start sending scripts out and saying record this on your phone send it on a Dropbox. this is the movie we're making about this I mean keep people employed you know and especially for Broadway performers um I would be so interested I been. I watched the road O'Donnell, One Night Only, Actors fun show. And I was I was so pleased to see people at home in their own element, not for a People Magazine shoot where everything's perfect and pretty and glamorous. It was like, I felt so intimately connected to these Broadway stars that I idolized. Yeah, I mean,
0: yeah, I did not see it.
1: I've heard mixed things about it, but- Oh, uh, it, was, it was, do you know, like, remember back in the 80s and stuff, those old school telethons? where they have celebrities picking up phones. It was that kind of like... It was very that, it was very long. You had ebbs and flows. I kept it on as background as I continued to clean. Um, but it was just interesting and I was like, I would be very interested if someone like wanted to do a little Broadway at home with, you know, I'm curious to see how these Broadway stars live. I know how these movie stars pretend to live, you know.
0: <laughs> no, I mean, that would be a good idea. You know, I haven't really done any of the online stuff. Like a lot of people I saw like, well, like I saw like Anthony Porosky's now doing these cooking things like online. I don't know if with that's the,
1: being charged. With- cream trees and in uh, uh, guacamole is doing that. Yeah, I like I was flipping through and I
0: was like, all right, so I haven't gotten to the online stuff, but I'm like at least if we're here in a few months, I know that there that that's there.
1: Is so, he um shirtless in this or is this kind of like is he clothed? He is not
0: shirtless, but it's a tight white fitting shirt.
1: I'll, you know who
0: Okay, do you know, yeah. Do you know who I stalk on Instagram all the time though?
1: Who? Is
0: who? is trace from flipping out anthony's x do you know trace t for
1: trace let me give you a little backstory on the queer i thing. I'm, i don't know if you're curious at all but i'll give you all the tea
0: oh honey so, that was like on my list of things for you know i mean no we're not going to talk about queer that was like on the list ready yeah, so go on
1: let's let's go in okay. so here i am it is it's probably like 2017 december and I am in Puerto Vallarta. I, it could be 2018, but I'm pretty sure it's 2017. And I get a call. I'll get a text message from one of the creators of, the creator of Queer Eye saying, hey, um, the producers and I are on a call. We're going to call you. Do you have a moment? And I was like, yeah. And no i you, at the beginning of all the reboots coming back. And I was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. So I'm right. in the theater. I'm checking my show in Puerto Vallarta, which is basically like Mexican people. friendly beach community in, Port- in Mexico that has many of the same acts that p-town does in the summer they have in the winter because it's more you know it's the the it's a more tour season there because it's more bearable so i run outside they call me on speaker they say jay we have some really exciting news that we wanted to share before you heard it elsewhere we're bringing queer eye back now being the Puerto Rican Italian talkative Broadway kid that I am from New York, I immediately didn't wait for a breath. I jumped right in, and I was like, "Oh my god, this is amazing!" Because like I just feel like I have so much more to offer now. Being in my thirties, I feel like you know, now I'm the age of the guys. I like, I feel like I really want to do over a lot. And they're like, "And we're doing it with a brand new, exciting, dynamic cast." And I was like, for a minute, I just felt all the life sucked out of me. Like my heart sank. The sound left the room. Like I was in proper shock. And because I didn't really, I always felt like it was some, it was my thing, it was our thing, and I was like, we put so much work into it, we don't get residuals, we were not paid anything close to what the new guys make. Right. So you know, for me, and it was before social media. So for me, I always felt like. You know, having had this pedigree of of performing and and theater credits prior to queer eye, I was I've been on a constant hustle, even though I've done hundreds of episodes of scripted TV to kind of remind people of who I am and um as a performer and as an adult. and uh, And so I was gutted, and you know I graciously they were like, we want to use you guys in some moment. We'll figure something out. I was like, okay, I hung up so discouraged to call my agents and they were like, "Do you understand that it took us so long?" to get you to the place in your career where you are now, where we don't have to beg for you to be seen for projects if they're out of Queer Eye type. People are requesting you, you're getting offers. The, you know, th- last year alone, the three uh, TV series that I was on were all offers. Um, and, um, and, and I kind of forgot what Queer Eye did in a negative way for me. I was the only one to leave, and I think to date, that didn't get a six-figure, seven-figure endorsement deal From being on Queer Eye. I didn't. I left the show pretty much, you know, how I came in, which was as a gig employee. And so for me, it was a very different thing. Now, as I look at it, I watched the, you know, the seasons and I was so overjoyed that I could watch the show as a fan. These guys have created something that doesn't even feel or remind me of my version um, at all. It it is completely their own. And I think they've more than taken the baton. They've really, uh, and ran with it, they've really created something that's impactful for this generation. Um, My only wish is that they would do a crossover episode because I feel like queer history is important. And in some ways, when you don't have us do one, it does feel like you're burying the impact that we had in society then. And I say that because I just did another series for HBO Max with the executive producers of Queer Eye, where they're doing a series about unsung heroes of the 1960s, queer heroes. And I didn't know who many of these people were, nor I knew of them, but I didn't know the fullness of their contributions. And until people do, I've sat at dinner tables where people are like, oh my God, wait, you're on Queer Wait, which one are you? Thinking I was on the Netflix version because I'm the same age as many of the guys on that. And so for me, I w- it's a weird push-pull, however, I don't want to do Queer Eye again. It was an incredible experience, but it would feel like repeating like senior year. Like I did it, I loved it. It's not where my passion lies. I would like one like Christmas or Thanksgiving crossover episode, um, but that's about it. And I would like to work with all my five guys on another project. That's something that we have uh, all talked about and we are all on board to do. It's about finding the right project that highlights our strengths now the 2020 version of who we are today as people might not reflect the 2003 version of who we were then. Um, and so, sense. yeah, and we we played Family Feud against the um New School versus OG, and uh, we had a blast that'll air this summer. And there's another network that's uh, wooing the Queer Eye Guys for a one episode thing um for something different. So we are gonna be together, but that's how I feel about the Queer Eye Guys. They're all great. I just went, prior to isolation, and before we knew anything about Corona being stateside, I went to Karamo's house. He was having a going away party because he's currently shooting the show, and it was we locked each other in a bathroom <laughs> because we've not really had a chance privately to chat other than you know text message and stuff, and just downloaded each other about our mutual experiences. You know, for me being brown and queer and somewhat feminine presenting in two thousand and three. I got a different level of treatment from um, people who represented us, people who were speaking about the brand. I was also very young um, and, you know, coming from starring in things to taking a big backseat was a learning curve. But by season two and three and four, I really got my my sea legs and began to command my own segments. And that is the biggest takeaway, is that I have no jealousy of, of this new series. I love it. I wouldn't want to do it again. It's not where my heart is. But what's special is I can watch it and now I get why people would stop me to this day at airports and say how impactful the show was for them in their lives or how they were able to come out of the closet or their family or safe to be home because they knew us. So the experience for me was layered, but my biggest takeaway, my biggest commerce, the the most uh, joy that I have when I think about that time is the residual waves of um, acceptance that that show started.
0: And, no, I mean, that's true. I mean, do the other people feel, I mean, not that you can speak for everyone else, but do you think they feel the same way? Like, they're happy for the new
1: group of people? I, like, Yeah, so I will say this. I think, you know, look, you have to look at it um, economically and also who's gone where with their careers and why. Like, Tom Ardentier Designer was a multi-million dollar, had his own design firm before Queer Eye. If anything, Queer Eye almost became a burden to his business. He couldn't run... His business the way he wanted to while shooting, you know, fourteen hour days. He just couldn't, um, nice. and it was, and he was constantly under so much stress. I mean, this is someone who has done everyone from J Lo to like he even did Bono's house. So he's like, he's he's good.
0: I'll admit it. As important as it is for me to eat healthy and put the right nutrients into my body and hydrate. or start a subscription on products you know you'll use. Go to 310nutrition.com and use the code VELVETROPE right now for 50% up to $100 for your first order. That's 310nutrition.com and use code VELVETROPE.
1: Hey, I'm Nate Thurston, and I'm supposed to write a 30-second ad that tells you everything you need to know about my podcast, Good Morning Liberty, which I co-host with Charlie, my best friend of 20 years. That's a tough feat to accomplish, but let's give it a shot. At Good Morning Liberty, we cover the news every day from an individual liberty perspective. We believe that you own yourself, and a tyrannical, overreaching government is the biggest threat to your liberty. If you agree, you can find a new episode every day of the week on your podcast app, or by going to BernieLies.com in your browser. You know, he likes to pop up on TV every now and again, but like, at the end of the day, he has a furniture line, a lifestyle, bre- like, he's he's living in his dream. Carson really positioned himself to be the go-to starring gay. You know, he was always centered everything and the network producers, directors, everyone kind of shot him and edited him to be the star. He was always the trailer. In this new version, they don't have a standout star like that. You could see them, they all switch positions and photos and stuff. Um, and Carson's not going to hurt have a hard time working. He's so incredibly funny with the quips and everything, and he, in many ways, has carved out a lane that didn't exist, or rather, he's you know gone off through the off the heels of many other um, what we would consider bubbly eccentric types. So he's fine. And then we yeah. have me. I'm the, I'm the actor performer, and then you have Kyan who after Queer I he'd gotten all the money, gotten his L'Oreal deals and all this stuff. And then we found out during the Oprah, we did like, where are they now? And he confided in us that he actually wanted to be famous his whole life. Queer Eye gives it to him and he's completely unhappy. He leaves, at the end of the show, he tours the world, meeting with religious leaders, going to spiritual temples, trying to find this inner happiness that he'd always wanted. And where he found it most was by buying a home in a community that he loved. Oh, there's your siren, yay, we got one.
0: I can't believe you can
1: hear that. Yes, and so, and then he, they're coming for me because I'm spilling all the tea. Um, he no. is now just happy. And he um, he gets to do Rachel Ray makeovers a couple times a month. That keeps him on camera. And now at this place in his life, he's open to returning to television. But I think prior to that, he just, you know, it was a lot. Um, he and keeps a low that- profile. He does. and 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 honestly, he is more than ready, willing, and able to get back in television. But I think he's balancing the life that he's created. This you know, he has a beautiful home in Florida, and he's got his dog. He adopted a greyhound, and he just has this great life. He's near his dad, who's older. and And so, for him, I think he found happiness. And then Ted is chopped. um, you know, he's I, I went to go visit him in New York City when we were doing the Where are they now?" special and I stayed with him for two extra days because he only put us up for two days and then I wanted to stay two days and when I went to his brownstone in Brooklyn he greeted me at the basement level and I was like that's like so cute he has like probably like the whole bottom floor and an outside patio and when I tell you he opened up that door and it was like the freaking Huxtable like it was he, owned the, he owns the whole building and so wow. every floor is his it was like a proper house and I had never been to a house like that so he's like You're um second floor up um, third bedroom to the left and I was like oh Okay, so then I hear him like you know opening a bottle of wine, uh, and he's like, "You want some wine?" I'm like, "I shout down, yeah." So I come downstairs. He pours it, and um, so I'm like, still taking it all in because his partner is an interior designer, so the place is gorgeous. And wow. um, we cheers this glass of wine. This beautiful, you know, like stainless steel Viking appliances kitchen, and he's like, "Cheers, I'm like, cheers. I'm like, cheers." I'm like, "Wait, so you're like rich and stuff now, right?" You're like <laughs> because we're on the same show. I say that all the time because, you know, I have lived this bohemian actor life, jumping from gig to gig to gig in a way that brought me a lot of joy. But I never compare myself to the other guys until I'm like in their homes or whatever. And, um, but everyone has their own journey. But because of that, we were afforded to have different experiences. But yet when we come together all these years later, the comedy, the timing, everything falls back into place.
0: Is there someone that you speak to more than others? Like, who are you closest with out of the five?
1: Just in terms of- Yeah. So I think like, if I, it's hard to say, like Ted would probably be my confidant because Ted is really, Ted's, you know, lives in Brooklyn. Like he's kind of like this hipster, cool, like probably still listens to records, music, stoner kind of guy. So I think he always understood my lifestyle. Carson lives in the same kind of entertainment lane that I dip into in terms of like any kind of hosting stuff or we have similar circles of friends. Um, Tom is like, in my mind, the older frat brother. He used to do all these like lock me out of the trailer or like leave the car door open and like inch it forward a little bit while I try to get in. Like he's the older brother that I wish I was closer with him, but honestly he just sucks at returning texts and calls. And Kyan would be the emotional. So if I break up with a boyfriend, I'm going to Kyan. If I have professional, like, oh my God, I don't know what I'm doing with my life, I go to Ted. And if I have, I see Carson's in town and I need someone like a good, like, a good Kiki with a girlfriend, um, definitely Carson, um, because he is the kindest, most fun person. Um, And if you just wanna be reminded of like, you know, we're all gonna be okay, definitely hang out with Carson. Are you a huge fan of Drag Race? I am, but I'm having a real hard time connecting to the season. And I think I say that at the beginning of every season, though, to be fair.
0: Yeah, this season I'm having a hard time connecting. Like I'm a late bloomer to I watch so much Bravo that I am a late bloomer to RuPaul's drag race. Like I have friends, like I have friends that are so religious about it and can like I'm not that. Like I can't really. I'm not even.
1: I wonder if I'm scarred the voiceover guy from Bravo's network. Do you remember him? Like the guy who did all the voiceovers? I think they might have changed him now. Now. But it was one, it was one guy who was doing all the voiceovers for every single commercial. And he never mentioned me once. And I always got butthurt about that. So I kind of stopped. Like when I moved here, here's the real tea about reality. When I moved here, after having been on Queer Eye, I was labeled a reality star. So my pedigree of acting credits, none of that mattered. And that was really tricky for me as I tried to redefine myself as not a reality star, especially because there was a height of that reality. It was Flavor Flav, I Love New York, Housewives are starting. So reality meant you're willing to act a fool and you have no talent. And so all that was put on me when I moved here. So I think it was tricky for me to get into Housewives and all the other things because I felt I was, um, you know, they were shows that had come on successfully that I had nothing to do with, on a network that I previously felt like was home. And I think it was tricky for me to really kind of get into this kind of medium. So I never really leaned in, also here's the real tea too. I think I felt the producer's hand in a lot of situations, like being in reality, we always try to let things in the beginning stages, let things play out as naturally as they would. Um, And I felt like some of the Bravo programming that I'd seen Felt like I could predict where things were going to go because I, as a producer myself, I could kind of see where you could find the drama and escalate it. So nothing was a surprise to me. Um, but I will say then some stars arose that started doing other things like NeNe Leakes. And then suddenly I was like, well, maybe I need to catch up on Atlanta Housewives. And I dip in there. And then Ter- Teresa Giudice started making news. So then I started watching that one. And so I, they kind of got me by their add-on appearances in like, you know, talk show formats and stuff.
0: Do you watch, I mean, so do you watch a lot of Bravo mm-hmm. now? And it's okay if you don't. I
1: don't. I don't even know what's on Bravo now. People are I always to like, watch... afraid to answer. They're like, I'm like, it's okay. Not, not everyone needs to watch Bravo. No, I always say I'm vintage Bravo. I mean, literally, it's, you know, it's 17 years this summer that, you know, solidified Bravo's place uh, as a real legitimate network with the launch of Queer Eye with the help of NBC, its parent company. It tripled the ratings of Bravo's history ever and, and sent uh, Bravo into this really aspirational lifestyle brand that they now have um you know listen i i i wish i was closer to andy cohen i wish andy cohen knew who i am as a performer and as an entertainer because i'd love to return to bravo especially now that they've um incorporated scripted television but with this whole like affluent rich you know one percent lifestyle that they put out i really don't fit into that platform you know do you, do
0: you have a lot of interaction with Andy back in the day?
1: I guess there was no Watch What Happens or any of
0: that back then.
1: No, I mean, Andy Cohen was like, he, I think in many ways, he kind of considered himself an extra Fab Five guy, like the Fab Six member. He'd jump in pictures and stuff and, and hang out with him. But he was very much a producer at the network level. I, I can't say that we were tight. I wish we were, um, because he would have been a great person knowing that where I was going to end up in entertainment to have really kind of been a mentor to me. But I didn't really position myself in that and that space with him um but you know he was very gracious after we did a a reunion special with him on bravo he invited us out to and andy cohen's former i mean anderson cooper's former partner's midtown gay bar and we hung out with them one night so it was really sweet um and of course i sent sent him a message he was gonna have me on watch what happens live um when they were in la but then he had a baby and the whole thing happened so i don't know i mean he's a nice guy i you know i i I think we have to admire about Andy as he says things um, that a lot of us think and maybe we filter through for better or worse. Um, and he's taken the hits along the way, um, you know, as they've come, but you have to admire someone who's living, you know, a life that they, they feel is authentic to who they are without apology.
0: Totally. And then here's a question I always had, like, how did you get cast? I mean, like, was there this yeah. nationwide casting call?
1: Cause I certainly so missed was- that. Yeah, so there was for the first gr- group of guys. So the, the pilot was made, shopped around for two years. No one wanted it. Then they um, cast this sh- And that had Ted and Carson on it, but no one else. Like other guys, but not Ted and Carson. Then they did um, the, the Bravo show. So they did episodes, you know, two and three, let's say, with a guy named Blair in the culture role. And then they decided they want to let go of him. He just was the odd man out. There was no, oddly, people didn't um, latch on to him within the group. And so they they had poor chemistry. So then they were seeking um, a diversity hire, for lack of a better thing. They wanted someone, they didn't want an all-white cast. So knew that. And my agent had her gotten wind of it and talked to her colleague at the agency that he should audition. And instead, he's like, no, I'm not an on-camera guy. Do you have anyone? She was like, I'm mean, going to have this gay kid who's a Broadway star, and he's got this a uh, uh, club act at a bar in New York called XL. And at the time the category was labeled nightlife expert. And so I went in, I met with a woman who ultimately ended up doing our product placement. It was an office just sitting across from her and she asked me to take her on a romantic date as a 35 year old divorced dad living on Long Island if that was my persona where what would i do to entertain her and woo her and stay connected to her during this date and so i rattled off all these places including the butterfly exhibit i knew which restaurant to go to what to order and why to sit at the chef's table which actually ended up being cheaper but you could see everything being made it's a conversation starter so i had all these great things and she was like that's amazing answer how old are you and i was like 23 she's like you're 26 i was like oh she's like what what college you go to i was like well I got accepted to Wagner, but then I got rent right away. So she's like, you graduated. I was like, okay. She's like, I'm going to send give you a call back. You're going to go to the board tomorrow in front of NBC and Bravo and um, the creator and director of the show. And they're going to ask you similar questions. So I go to this callback. I don't know. All I hear is NBC Bravo. I have at this point like platinum blonde hair because I'm starring in an off-Broadway production of what ended up being a cult classic musical called Xana Um And I played the title role. Uh, Xana was sort of this Billy Idol looking character. And I went in with my platinum blonde hair, with like, you know, like a button up shirt and a sweater over it, looking very like I worked at the Gap, Banana Republic. And I sat in between these two guys, a brightly dressed blonde guy and sort of a gay Buddy Holly looking character to my left. And the board would ask me questions, and these guys kept trying to discredit every answer I gave them. Which quickly turned into kind of like, I don't even know why I'm here. I'm just going to freaking be memorable and they'll remember me for something else because these idiots want this job more than I do. I was not giving context that it was a chemistry test. I left defeated, called my agent, was like, look, don't ever send me out for anything like that again. I failed miserably and I'm humiliated. An hour later, he calls back. He's like, well, you didn't do as bad as you thought. You start Monday. And that was all the instruction I got. Monday morning's meetings consisted of a dossier they put before me with – um, you know, clear deficits in everyone else's area. We had photos of his house, we had photos of his closet, of his wardrobe, of the way he looked, of his kitchen. And when it came to me, I was expect to culturalize him based on that data, which made no sense. I had no understanding of his essence or things. And I found the show to be challenging, but over time we restructured it. The big issue from the network level was they wanted our my category to have a visual before and after. Now I really would have pushed back on that. It's impossible in my category. And which is why I commend Karaml for pushing through that and be able to have conversations that are impactful over time because real change takes time. So that's kind of how I got cast on the show. It was not necessarily like this massive manhunt. In fact, it happened on the DL. They were casting while also not letting the person know that they were going to be fired.
0: Huh. And then, I mean, like when you got the job, was it like, okay, you're 23 Mm -hmm and you don't have this college degree or that just wasn't an oh, issue anymore?
1: literally, no, they didn't even know. They didn't even ask. Um, it was also, like, I got whatever. In car. I didn't have a driver's license and I got in that car and drove from New Jersey to the city. I was all 10 and two and they were like, um, can we picture your driver's license? I was like, um, um, It's um, so funny. Um. Yeah, They're so like, like, no, I mean, yeah, It's, it's it, was, it was a bizarre experience. Not at all what I would have thought and certainly not how I thought my career would be defined.
0: And then I promise we'll move on to something else cause I do have other questions. But then like when you guys filmed, was there any like drama on the set or was like, did everyone get along? Was it like, okay, we this were, is the biggest diva?
1: We were very, very funny. Um, we were the funny show. And because you spend 14 hours a day with everyone you don't really spend much time out of work with each other because we didn't have, they shoot for three months now they can bang out episodes faster than we could. Because of technology's advancements, you know, they can light things quicker. They can shoot things with GoPros. We didn't have that. So it was a little more difficult for us to shoot episodes. Like, it took a full week for us. So we didn't fight like that. I mean, there wasn't a diva. But, you know, after a while, the crew started favoring Carson to the point where some of us would just sit on couches and open up a magazine. The producer would be like, what are you doing? I'm like, when you start following me with a camera, then I'll go to work. But if you're going to favor Carson this whole episode, then I'll allow it to be the Carson show. And that's not drama with us. That's from a, that's from an easy shot perspective. That's from a, well, just go for the safe guy. I'm like, there's five people in this cast. There's not a star of the show. And we're not doing that kind of program here. So get it together. So, I mean, at those moments, I mean, I think we'd say that Carson Kyan was a bit of a diva, self, self-admittedly. He would say things, you know, he would not want to work unless he had a hot breakfast or, like, have a latte or a specific kind of chai tea latte thing. Um, But I remember that he owned that, and and I think that was part of his own self-expression during that time. And later was like, oh, my God. We joked about it um, on Watch What Happens Live, or not Watch What Happens, when we did a reunion with Andy. um, And he said who was the biggest diva, and I think we all said Kyan. But in actuality, it was more like a defense mechanism for the amount of stress and anxiety he was going through that he wasn't able to really put to words.
0: Interesting. we didn't...
1: There was no... I don't think there was any, like, shouting matches. I mean, you guys
0: weren't that show. And, like, there was really... And the producers never really tried to manipulate anything. I mean, I guess you didn't really have a storyline. You had, like, a real... Just, like, let's make it We weren't
1: allowed... We were, this is what I really hate. We were meant to be perfect superheroes at all time. I had to have a blazer on because I was too young looking, so they aged me up. I couldn't have facial hair, tattoos. I couldn't have piercings. I couldn't, Aww. it was, yeah, I was really owned by Bravo Um as that's how it was related to me. Um, and so, uh, so it was really limiting in terms of self-expression. Um, I wasn't really allowed to be who I wanted. It was a different era where we were basically meant to be these polished. I, listen, if the producers wanted to uh, paint us in a different way, of course they could edit us uh, in a different way. But that wasn't the goal of what they wanted um, the world to feel about us, you know. And I, and to this day, I feel like you know I have an Emmy. I have my own. I was just Emmy gonna is, say you have an Emmy. Wait, show me. You, an you Emmy. guys don't. Yeah. So the, so I, I, I do to take have a picture Emmy. of you in your Emmy. <laughs> that is like everything.
0: Because I was just going to mention your Emmy. I mean, that's great, right? Yeah.
1: Well, yeah, in some ways, yes, and in some ways, no, because I feel like the argument we always had with the producers is now knowing television, I stand in opposition of what the producers feel about the show. I feel this talent for this kind of show are producers. And I say that because I've worked on many shows as a producer and I've had this conversation with many non-scripted alternative programming producers who admittedly will admit that the work that the on-air talent does on Queer Eye is in many ways producer work. And when the category um, for outstanding reality program existed, there was not a reality host category. So they included us in the outstanding reality program category, which is why I have one. But when the show wins, um, the queer producers do not share the Emmy with the other boys, nor does the network, nor have they been nominated for an Emmy as hosts. And I think that's a real miss and it's sending a bad message. And I think it's caused a lot of tension. Um, I'm imposing this, I don't know that to be fact. But I, I know that when I brought it up, I assumed they had Emmys and they were like, nope, we didn't get any, we don't get any. And I think that's a real, I think the, um, I think the Academy needs to relook at that. That's my own feeling. And I am I told myself at 40, I'm not holding back anymore. And I, honestly, that's not shitting on the producers. It's yeah. just asking people to view things a different way and respect different work. I remember when we had 9-11 and the, the Rent producers called us up on stage um, that like you know, seven fifteen, and we're like, look, you have thirty tickets sold, and it's your job as producers, as as actors and entertainers, to entertain people in these times of crisis. Historically, that's what you've always done. We don't know if Broadway's ever going to come back, you know. And there, and I remember some of the things they would say to us that when we had the 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 music musician strike, and we stood with them, and the producers drove back and said, you'll never work again, and. You know, like they, this this adversarial relationship between producers and talent has is nothing new. And so, I knew yeah. to keep a safe distance from our producers. I honor a friendship that we've established, but to me, it's a business friendship. You know, um, uh, you know, many shows that have had gone into syndication with this kind of um, impact. Many of my friends here in LA have done those shows in a non-scripted space, and they have. Been able to afford a nice lifestyle for themselves and own homes and properties and stuff um, because of the commerce they made. But instead, all that goes to the producers. Now, you know, you could argue it every single way you want and say that you know they came up with a concept, but for me, I personally feel like the least they could do is figure out a way to get the boys nominated for their own Emmys. I don't know if it'll ever happen, but that's where I stand in it because until the day comes where you give the Fab Five a script. And you give them the exact creative of what to do, and how to evoke emotion in these different people. I I, I personally don't feel like uh, they shouldn't have an Emmy. I feel like they all should.
0: That makes sense. Is this where you keep your Emmy normally, right on your desk there?
1: Yeah, I usually do. Lately, I have I think because I want to be inspired by it. I had interesting meetings lately with big networks in terms of development for shows. And I went in kind of trying to attach to other projects and they're like, we see you as a pe- producer, a curator. And I forgot, oh bitch, you 22 years in the game. Your pedigree is like, my resume is long of the kind of work I've done. And because of that, I do have a certain level of expertise and I don't like getting on sets where I know more than the about the content of what we're creating Versus the people that are uh, in position, uh, power-making positions, that's troubling sometimes um, to me. And so when I say I have a producer's mentality, it's because of the three female producers that that the original producers left us in chargement when they moved to L.A. There was a, a woman named Linda Lee, Lynn Sadowski, and um, Donna McClechey, and, and they really were our point people and their producer mentality, my constant strive to find my space in the Fab Five on the show left me in their offices quite frequently. And understanding how a show is made and why and how, how your segment uh, contributes to the overall tone of the show, all those different small keynotes stuck with me all these years. And so when I come onto a set, especially a non-scripted one, I'm not coming in as just basic talent. And so because of that, I feel like that grooming turned me into a good producer. So... You know, when I see other shows like the reboot of Queer Eye not getting acknowledged for their work, um, a simple thank you on stage isn't enough to me.
0: That makes sense. Now I have to talk to you. Let's talk about the genius that is Malibu country. Yes. I mean, Lily Tomlin, come on. Let's just talk about that.
1: Well, that's funny because, yeah, there's a great show on ABC. For those who haven't seen it, girl, this is the. That's the little oh thing God. that Reba gave us. It's, a, it's a picture and she, yeah, and she signed it. It says to Jay, so grateful we've gotten to work together. Here's to many more fun times. Love Reba, Malibu Country season one. Um, oh my God. And it was so cool. Yeah, what was so cool. Well, you know, it's funny, the real tea about this was you get a series with Reba and Lily Tama, and you're pretty much like already envisioning your Malibu dream house yourself. She's like, well shoot this guy. Well, so what ended up happening was is Tim Allen was our lead-in, and he skewed male, and Reba skews female. Our show skewed female. I'm trying to hang this again. It may not happen until later. Um, But anyway, long story short, what ended up happening was, um, you know, the network promised that we'd be back for season two. Reba went to dinner with some of the executives, I believe, and she had strong feelings we were coming back. And um, she was on a plane um, going on safari, I think, to Africa or something on a vacation after we wrapped and didn't get the news until she landed, and she was quite frustrated. But we all were. Malibu Country was a really fun show, nothing to do with the original Reba, but, of course, Reba likes to play the character name. They keep Reba because they feel, for branding purposes, it works. She played a an uh, upri- uh, upcoming country star who marries the biggest country star in the world probably 20 years ago, gives up her career to support his, has two kids, and lives in Nashville with her husband and her mother, Lily Tomlin. And, or, you know, Lily May, Lily Tomlin's character. And, you know, the show opens at her husband's cheating scandal where she realizes he's been cheating on her and she leaves him at a press conference, takes her mom and her two kids and starts her new life in this sort of love shack he'd been keeping in Malibu where he'd have all his affairs. That's where she begins her life anew. And to layer it, she decides to get back into the music business knowing she's got two albums left on her original deal with this label, which has now evolved. Now we represent like Rihanna and Drake types. And I play the gatekeeper to the the head honcho at the label. And I feel bad for Reba and I take her under my wing and we develop this friendship. But really the fun was Lily Tomlin and I became kind of the Jack and Karen of the show. We were always getting into mischievous trouble because Lily is now in a a state that allows medicinal marijuana. And she's living her adolescence again. It's the second lease on life as a senior. And um, and it was just fun to work with that kind of um, iconic cast. But what was great about it was to carry my own weight, it was a really, I became the first male to garner fame off reality to be series regular on a scripted show. Um, Catherine McPhee took it for Smash for females, but I did it for Malibu Country. And to me, that was a big accomplishment because I'd already heard reality, reality, reality. And when you get on stage and the audience has seen, they always show them like one episode before in case they haven't seen the series. And when you get applause, when you enter, before you say a line, you're like, oh my God, this is an incredible character um, that they helped me create. And I think that time in my life was really validating. Cause you know, as performers, you're just, you feel like powerless sometimes that you have to wait for certain jobs to fall on your lap. And here was something that wasn't on the page. It was a character that was supposed to be just like reoccurring maybe guest star. And they took it from recurring to series regular and it was written urban, um, preferably African American. And I was like the oddball Latino that they, show- that they you know, showed in the audition process. And I, I was like, nope, he's gonna be gay from the Boogie Down Bronx, from like have like he could cut you and also like fashion you this great outfit. Like I was giving it that because I was like, it's the exact opposite of what they're asking for, but I don't fit so hard. And I know how to make this work in that way. And I rewrote most of the copy and I, the writer was in the room. I'm like, I'm so sorry. They're like, no. This is way funnier. You do you. And it honestly ended up being such a scary slash important time in my life because I took a chance. Oddly, I took that with me when I went to audition for Modern Family several times. He <laughs> stopped me in the middle of the audition like, um... Yeah, um, our writers win Emmys for every word that they write, so let's just go ahead and trust the page, okay? Um, I didn't even so, know you interviewed for a Modern Family. Oh my God, I went in for the pilot, I went in for several uh, guest stars um, that yeah. were along the lines of the character that I played on Malibu Country and shortly after. Um, you know, it, it, it it's, it's just one of those things that I thought, uh, you know, if you can get on Modern Family at that time, yeah. Um, you're like, oh my God, I'll, this is a great show, show piece. But to be honest, you know, it, it's a great show. Sh- it was a great show. I think anything that I would have been right for, I, I don't know if it would have moved the needle forward in my career. Unlike the role I have upcoming on April 5th on The Rookie on ABC, which is a very dramatic, a lot of heavy lifting opposite Nathan Fillion in a role that even he, as a huge Queer Eye fan, didn't see coming. Um, my performance in that, I think, is going to um, surprise people because. Uh, sometimes you just don't get the opportunity to play these parts. Doesn't mean you can't do it. Just means yeah. that you've never been seen for it before. And um, and this upcoming role on April 5th, Sunday night, 10 p.m. on The Rookie, I'm really excited about.
0: ABC likes you because let's not overlook Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> I love me some, I, I'm still a Grey's Anatomy fanatic.
1: Yeah, they exist all over the world. It's one of their highest rated shows. It does well internationally as well. And what was so special about it is I I wanted to work, I put on a vision board, I wanted to work uh, for Shondaland in any way, shape or form. This role came up, I thought it gave a strong audition. And then when I booked it, I was like, oh my God. And what was really cool about that experience was it was during the election cycle of 2016. And it was, I was shooting when Donald Trump got elected. Um, and so the tone on this very ethnically diverse set and, um, set full of a lot of what we consider other people who fall outside of type, um, was so interesting to me to be a really diverse, um, group of people who felt dead and felt like they hadn't been seen and that maybe they wouldn't, um, be supported by this administration. Um, it was really fascinating to me to be a part of that. I didn't feel so alone. Um, but moreover, I think it was really great to work with people like, um, um Ellen Pompeo, who I actually just recently saw. We did the taping of yeah, we did the taping of family feud that went to like this really fancy restaurant on Melrose with the Queer Eye Boys. And she was there. Um and it was like my first like celebrity like dinner, you know, posh like thing in a long time. And Pompeo, she's amazing.
0: fantastic, amazing. She's fantastic. Yeah. She's amazing. Yeah. And then is that how you got this part on Grace and Frankie? Was it through, like, do you keep in touch with Lily? No,
1: this is so, I do keep in touch with Lily. I just presented her an award at last year's Tony Viewing for the Actors Fund. She was being honored here in Los Angeles, and I gave this great speech about she's my icon, my hero. Um, It came up almost spoken word, but it was just uh, over a couple Chardonnays when I finally had a chance to get on stage and thank her. But um, no, actually, I auditioned for that, and um, the showrunner creator of, Friends, Uh, was also the showrunner, creator of one of the, uh, Martha Kaufman was one of the, um, she was the creator of Grace and Frankie and I was opposite her at this audition and created this really sassy, fun character. And she knew I knew Lily, but that was not the reason I was called in. And so after my callback, I texted Lily and she texted me like the day later and she was like, Jay, oh, so wonderful that you got in for that role. Congratulations. Good luck. And I was like, oh, my God. I thought, because she's a producer, listed as a producer. Um, but I got the role on my own merit, and I didn't have any scenes with her, but she took me on set the day of my fitting, like I was her grandson, and, and brought me around and had all these great times uh, introducing me to um, Jane and the cast and crew, and it was just really fantastic, that relationship where I model so many of my shows uh, after the kind of shows she does so we developed a special friendship on that show i absolutely love lily tomlin
0: it's such a good show grace and frankie yeah yeah the whole cast is great and so what are you up to now you do a not like you're out and about in la a lot i see in west well
1: yeah i just feel like it's really important for me to stay connected in the community and nightlife that's how i how I got to uh, work in television was the exposure in nightlife. In fact, I even had this open mic night at this bar called Revolver. And the producers- I about uh, Dance Moms. Yeah. Oh yeah, because
0: you host the Dance Mom reunions,
1: Reunions. Right? I'm the Puerto Rican Andy Cohen, I like to say. uh Seriously? In that space. and. Yeah, except I'm not their boss, so it gives me a little wiggle room to ask tough questions. Um, but I got it because he's like, you can ha- you can wrangle drunk people in a comedic way and have them still embrace you. You can handle our moms, and um, and so a lot of people really shit on that nightclub work, and I'm like, listen, it is a gig, it's a job. Um, And for me, now I have this really, well, hopefully when we come back, it'll still be in place. But this night called The Vibe, where it's basically all top 40 music. And every 30 minutes is a live performance spun right into the mix. Um, Every gender expression is welcome. Doesn't matter, you know, uh, femme, butch, mask, LGBTQ plus IA. Everyone's welcome, everybody type, um, which is a different tone than most of West Hollywood. And so we love our night and we hope to get back to it really soon. Um, But that and... um, like I said, Family Feud, and then of course, The Rookie, ABC, April 5th, 10 p.m. Um, That's the role that I'm really excited to see because I think when you're a performer, it's easy to get, uh, this word's overused, but I'm gonna use it pigeonholed into what people think you can do. Thankfully, now I've got a resume and a reel to push back on that. People like, oh, well, we know him. Do you? Because here, have you seen this? Oh no, we didn't see that. Oh yeah, well, yeah, let's call him in. Um, and so for me, it's just been this really rewarding experience to have a network like ABC stand with me. Um, and trust me, and I knew it was a different performance when we had people from the studio come down um, at the work days and I'd see the suits and I'm like, you're not supposed to be here. What are you doing? And they would wait till my scenes were over and they're like, we just wanted to thank you so much. This is, um, you know, it, your performance is, I think they were just shocked. And and I'm really, really happy. Yeah, I was really happy and proud of that because I was hosting a morning radio show Uh, for about a year and a half. And I decided to leave because I recognized it was a career and I was working on a radio show, on the morning show. And I didn't feel seen in that space. I felt I wasn't supported for the things that I'm good at. Um, And I had created myself to somewhat be a supporter for everyone else in the room. And and I felt like I was just losing my joy as a performer. And so I decided, since television was really popping off for me, to finish at the end of my contract, which was December, finish December 20th. with hopes to stay connected to the station and three months later, here we are, I really don't have any connection to them and any paid space like they said I would. Um, And so that was really frustrating, but it also caused me to, to really light that fire within me and go into every meeting, every audition, like, I have to get this which also helped me look at, wow, where was this when you had a job? Where was this yeah. when the bank account was fat? Where is this part of you, this primal part of you that you tap into that becomes alter you and you can find your Sasha Fierce or your RuPaul and go into a room and slay so hard where it's undeniably your gig. Maybe that part shouldn't be silenced in the time where you are comfortable.
0: Um, yeah. And so that was
1: my greatest lesson, yeah.
0: Well, I—if you saw me write something down, I wrote down April fifth because I don't really watch the rookie. Right. But now you have piqued my interest.
1: It is definitely a standalone episode. I mean, there are some story points you may not—you'll be like, whatever. But I don't think you have to be a diehard fan of the rookie to get the 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 nature of this episode, and and uh and 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 more importantly, I think it's. Um, it, yes you're surprised well <laughs> i also surprised. have
0: i have some extra time on my hands now so i mean even if it's one hour where i don't understand everything
1: well yeah oh, i'm doing this okay. live stream for radio.com tomorrow live stream uh with dr chris donahue the host of love line uh 5 p.m on on their facebook live and radio.com app and uh he asked me this morning and i was like hold on let's check my schedule real right. quick yeah
0: I know, it's like, what is, do you ever miss New York
1: City? Like, do you ever miss your New York I group? do, but I have to tell you, I am petrified of it. I actually was speaking with Michael Orland, who everyone knows from American Idol, and he's a um, an accompanist and musical director for many big Broadway stars and television stars. And I moved to do a singing show on Fox called Celebrity Duets, which you can still YouTube my performances opposite Patti LaBelle and Taylor Dane and Brian McKnight and Taylor, all those great people. And I was like, listen, I'm ready. Uh, I've been... S- Scared, uh, shitless <laughs> to go back to New York um, and and do my cabaret show. I've been you know keeping safe doing it in PV and San Francisco and Palm Springs and LA and San Diego and scared to do it and in, in ho- at home because I thought no one would come. I'm like I've not performed there in so long they've forgotten all about me. And he was like Jay, we're gonna do this right this year. We're gonna get it done. And we were just in the middle of building our set and uh, approaching venues when all this went down. So. Hopefully, when we're all back together again, um, the first spot will be New York.
0: I mean, you seem like an LA boy these days. (laughs) A a West Hollywood
1: Well, you know what's really funny about it? I do live in West Hollywood, but I think I'm so New York minded. And I think the hard thing is, is that when people ask questions about New York, so much of it has changed from when I was there that I feel a disconnection just in that sense. I couldn't recommend a great restaurant to eat because most of them have closed that I used to go to.
0: Well, you mentioned Excel, and I just had flashbacks. I'm, like, dating myself now. I'm, like, I remember Excel. And yeah, the like,
1: one on the 16th.
0: Yeah. I live, it's, like, I think, isn't that, like, technically the dream hotel now? I think. Yes, I think it's, it's is. the dream hotel. Yeah. Yeah. And what is going on with your per- personal life, dating, single?
1: Well, um, I am mean, Well. Yes. I'm currently under quarantine, but I've I've yes. learned I've gotten very good at sexting. Gotten very good at um, phone sex. I don't know if you remember the old school phone sex. I'm very talented.
0: Oh, I remember. Um,
1: I, I, I could write erotica. I feel like that might be my next step.
0: And there's like FaceTime. Well, you know what I say about this quarantine? I'm like, and I'm convinced of this. Either, well, first of all, people are just fucking 24 hours a day. I'm sure if you're, you know,
1: home somewhere. If you're lucky enough to, yeah, yeah.
0: And then there'll be a lot of children for the straights. But I also think a lot, I mean, this is not just me being a negative cynical New Yorker, but I just think a lot of people are just going to look at the person they're trapped in with and be like, I fucking hate you. I think there's going to be a lot of breakups. That's the
1: other piece. I I think there will be too. I don't think people are used to, well, you know, a lot of couples get in fights on vacation. Yeah. um, When they have to spend so much time with one another away from maybe some of their passions that keep them focused and sort of steady. And I'm, you know, I'm curious to see how this is all gonna pan out. Right now it's all rainbows and unicorns because it's only a week and a half in, but we'll see how this all goes. In fact, I think it'd be interesting to document.
0: I think so too. And like, I think it's yeah. gonna be interesting to document like when people come out of this, like are you changed? Like how many people are changed? Or is this gonna just be like back to regular life within like a minute? I almost well, the, think like, yeah, go on.
1: Were no, I was say? saying that Well, I want to go up to hookup culture for a second because I will tell you the apps haven't slowed down. You know, people are really looking to connect in the sense of this loneliness. And I think for some people, um, sex is that for them. And I think they're doing the unsafe thing of still meeting up almost because it's taboo to do so. Um, and, and, and I think that's not helpful. Um, and I, and I think, but I understand the fear and anxiety that comes with it is because I think many of them feel alone. Um, and, and that's a scary and dangerous feeling. However, we have to look at the bigger picture, but I think you're right. I think, you know, this is either going to make it or break it for a lot of couples.
0: I think so. And like, to your point, I mean, I think a lot of people hook up on the apps, you know, like a lot of times it's just cause like you're horny, but a lot of times I think it's just like, right. It's that loneliness and
1: isolation, So like, I think
0: that's like driving, but right, like that's not exactly so safe now.
1: How is it in New York? How is it in New York? Are you finding people are reaching out? Like do you, where where are you at with it? I feel like, well, as far as the apps go. Well, as far as dating apps, people texting you, sliding into DMs.
0: I feel that people are sliding into, I feel like, you know what it is? I feel that just kind of like what you said in the beginning, the difference of a week is a huge difference. So I feel like people are like sliding into DMs, but the amount of people that wanna now meet, not that I wanna meet either, I feel like no one's going there. It's like everyone just understands, even though it could be one-on-one, this is not safe, because you don't know where I've been and I don't know where you've been. So I feel like even the difference of like a week, people now I think are finally maybe like, this isn't safe. But you know, like, if you look at the news, like, people are out. People are yep. out. Like, you know yeah. what I mean? I don't even mean like I'm looking out my window and seeing people, but like, if you look at all the, like, I don't know, a lot of people I don't think have realized really what's going on.
1: They closed a lot of our parks and our and our beaches. Like, there's a lot of public areas that people were gathering just to get out of the house. They thought that was a safe space. But unfortunately, what ends up happening is, you are within close contact of other people involuntarily. Um, and I think to stop the pandemic spread, they are limiting uh, that for us here. Um, and so you're finding people like social distancing, walking around, but like not necessarily near each other. So it's it's pretty interesting.
0: Yeah, I like, I mean, today I read something where like, it made sense. It's like, if you have it and you don't have any symptoms and you come in contact with someone and uh, that person comes in contact with 10 other people. And just like, if you read this one, I'll have to find it and send it to you. You're like, okay, well like, this is what people should like
1: focus on. So I'm
0: trying, like other than going out for food, because I mean, I don't cook. It sounds like you cook. I'm not a cooker.
1: Wait a minute. How are you eating?
0: Well, I either, and I'm not, I'm either going to the grocery store and getting prepared Mm -hmm. food, which if you read the things is not the most safe Right. or ordering food, which then I have friends that take it to like the extreme. They're like, well, those containers. And I'm like, oh my God, now you're freaking me out. Like the whole
1: Well, I have, yeah. My favorite snack is like, there's this, there's this froyo place around the block. And I love like that, that pink berry tart frozen yogurt. So I will just get a big vat of it and try to like, you know, let it ride for like a week. It's in my freezer. But what I thought that too. And so when I got it, I washed my hands and I took it out and then I wiped it with a Clorox wipe because the container, I'm like, you know, it's crazy. But you start, you start thinking about these things. And the other night, um, my roommate and I, we were having a game gamer movie night thing and he has Nintendo Switch, which is really fun because it's like remedial, you don't need to be good to play it. And we ordered Domino's. <laughs> like I had a moment of, oh god. But I was like, you know, what can I do? It's like I'm starving and That's i you know, I I'm thankfully I have however though, I cannot be the only one who's like trying to figure out weird concoctions because when I was grocery shopping in a sense of slight panic, not letting it show. I bought like things that don't go together. <laughs> you did? like, what? Like, I bought like peanut butter. Great. But I was the intent was peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Don't have any jelly. Um, I bought waffles, like toasters, waffles, no syrup. <laughs> but it's hard. It-
0: it's hard. It's hard. Like, if you, because I go to the grocery store and I walk around and I come home and I'm like, I just got enough food for like a day and a half, maybe two or
1: three days. So it's not like it's not helping. So you don't cook. We should do another thing about you cooking. I'm telling you, the chicken, listen, you can get a long ways with just learning how to cook some chicken. You don't even want to know that my (laughs) stove my
0: stove has wine in it. Like I my stove is like a wine cellar. Listen, this is New York.
1: You need to you need to post a picture with your wine cellar stove
0: with this interview
1: because that's hilarious.
0: I will. And like you need to come back on and we can talk about Cooking,
1: yes, and other. Do you know I've gotten arguments with people who wanted to hook up, and because I said I didn't, they were ve- venomous. Venomous. Wait, because you don't cook? No, because or... I didn't want to. I didn't want to um, come hook over on. to their place to eat or hook up or whatever. These are strangers. People reach out of an Instagram picture or whatever. And you have a nice conversation, they seem attractive, so you look at the, oh, they're cute. And then when you're like, no, I don't, come on, man, they're blowing all the shit out of proportion, whatever, fuck you, bro, like, you're stupid. It's really okay. interesting the divide that this causes. And, I, and to your point, I don't, I mean, I'm hoping that the experiences I'm having are a select few and that most people are taking to heart as what they appear to be doing in New York, you know?
0: It's like, I really feel now all of that is slowing down. I don't know, but I feel like it's like, especially in the past maybe four or five days, I feel like people are now, yeah, I don't know. Like, I I, I feel it's like dissipating. You know what I mean? We're like, listen, no no one has asked me to come over anywhere in the past four or five days. So maybe I'll take that personally, or maybe that's just (laughs) the way the world is working. But I think right. it's really just like, you know, and like, listen, you know what, I think like, in a way, this is a great time to get to know someone that none of us can listen to. Yes. Else. Like,
1: oh right? my God, yes. Like, yes. let's use we, this time wisely. I went on an Instagram date. I went like, on, a, we, went, we went live and we allowed our t- first date to be like you know, viewed by whatever. And we like did 20 questions and like, it yeah. was really, really fun. We we been talking for hours. And so it was like interesting. Then he got drunk. He was like, "I think I'm drunk. I have to go." I was like, "Okay, yeah, no, go."
0: But like maybe that's what'll happen. Like we'll get to like actually speak to people instead of just like fucking within the first like four hours or the first day, and like just maybe. I mean, we all got time on our hands now, so I don't know.
1: I'm just thinking so maybe
0: this will happen. I'm gonna have
1: to change. I'm gonna have to change like the the, the um the t- like your title on my phone to now read like four hour fucker. <laughs> no
0: not four hour fucker is that usually like,
1: you said what's the four hours like, does you go on a date and then you have some drinks is that your time because i feel like that was thoughtfully said
0: no but you know what i mean like the first <laughs> night now it's like yeah well like let's just chat and like maybe talk about something other than whatever what was i gonna say substantial now, Now, here's what we need to do before we leave. Let's see if this works. I'm going to try. Well, first, I'm going to take a picture of you. You look so nice in this tank top of yours. Oh, God. But then I'm going to try to take a picture with you. We're going to see if it works.
1: You can screen screen grab it, can't you? Oh, you don't have a... I'm on the phone. I can text it to you.
0: You're speaking like you're such a good millennial. Like, I don't even know what you're talking about.
1: Screen grab.
0: I I mean, I was going to take a picture... Well, I'm gonna take this, but I was gonna take a picture with you so that I am in it. Okay. I know, like watch. Let's see. First of all, I look absolutely hideous. I actually took you a shower. Don't. Can I tell you something? You did. I, t- I took a shower today. For no, Jay, I took a shower for the first time today, and like I don't know, I think a week.
1: Literally, everyone said that yesterday on the Rosie thing on the Rosie Jay. show. Everyone was like, "You gave me a reason to shower."
0: Okay, this phone is not... Let's just see if this works for a minute, okay? Just humor me. Uh, okay. This is not so... Hold on. Now, okay, hold on. Do you, do you see what I'm trying to do? Yeah, oh, I think not, if you... tap me. So bad. Look. Hold on. Oh, I like it. That's not so bad. Is this horrible that I'm all about the gram? I mean, this is not going to go up anywhere no. now, but... When the show comes out, we have to give you a good promotion.
1: No, you, uh, I I I think it's fine. You've seen my gram.
0: um, Oh no, I've like been stalking you on the gram now. So that's like my new (laughs) But listen, you need to come back on.
1: I will come back on whenever. I have nothing to do. Whenever you want to chat, let's do it.
0: I'm gonna invite you on. We have a lot of recurring guests and I really do appreciate you getting back to me and coming on. This has been amazing. I figured you'd be a great guest. Listen, you can't always tell. Sometimes I'm wrong.
1: You're, I know, exactly. I used to, when I host someone morning radio show, we were like, oh my God, so-and-so, we're getting so-and-so, and they'd come on and they were just duds, and you're like, ugh. Same thing, yeah. I had like a girl like two or three weeks
0: ago, and I'm like, she's gonna be horrible, horrible. She was nervous before, and she was phenomenal. Then yes, yes, I had a I had a big name on a couple of weeks ago. I was like, this is everything. This guy is like, this is going to go viral. It was like pulling fucking teeth.
1: Let me tell you something. What's interesting about the uh, about that medium is that you really just I I get booked as a fixer. They'll hire a name, a big name. To do a charity award show, and then they have to do the presentation or whatever, or like the segue between segments where they're in, introducing a politician with me, or both emceeing an event. The name usually can't carry it. They're bad with like you know live. They just don't. They feel anxious and nervous. And I'm like, this is where I shine. All that bar work, you know, this is this is my this is my sweet spot. So I get it. And so I you know listen. I mean, I guess teach his own.
0: So I could appreciate that. But listen, you'll come back on. I'm going to DM you later because I'm going to be bored. April 5th. I will slide into my DMs all the time. Okay. I'm all about the DMs. And April 5th, we are watching Uh you on the rookie.
1: Yes, on ABC 10 PM.
0: Everyone, and where can we find you on Instagram? At J A I Rodriguez,
1: R-O-D-R-I-G-U-E-Z.
0: Everyone, reach out to him. You're having a great quarantine. You're you're keeping <laughs> me interested. Reach out to at David Yontef at Behind the Velvet Rope, and I will DM you later because I'm going to be home. So I good. Really awesome. I'll talk appreciate to you soon. This. You're awesome. Thank
1: Sounds you. Good. Thank bye. you. Bye. Bye.